Picture the scene. We're sitting at a lunch table. It's like 1130, which is too early for lunch. We're just two guys in a cafeteria surrounded by a bunch of other guys and gals and whatever other genders there are, just hanging out, eating lunch, talking about movies in high school. Jeremy, what are you eating for lunch? Well, growing up in Montreal, Canada, we had at our school something called Chicken a la King, Ooh. which was sort of this... I don't know, kind of stew-like product with chicken question mark bits. And I'm assuming peas and carrots and like sauce, sauced up. I, I think you are supposed to have it over rice. I believe I put ketchup in it. Oh boy, that was real gross. I don't like anything that's stew-like. My generation, I don't know if we, we were growing up in New York and upstate New York, we had a big breadstick like big pizza stick day was like that was that was the move when you got like dippers they were called and they're just like these cheesy sticks that you basically dip in marinara sauce they were horrible for you but i'm telling you there's a little nostalgia that's happening but also i did in high school spend a fair amount of time sitting around tables talking about movies and now the tables have turned and today we're two adults talking about high school movies but we're not in high school having lunch, talking about it, which would be so meta. Oh, I wish we, you know what? Now I wish that I went on Amazon and found dippers because I bet you I could. I bet you I could find the exact bread dippers that I got when I was in high school. (laughs) I'm pretty sure sure I can go to Cisco and find vats vats of this chicken-like product. It comes in like a nickel a gallon. And actually it comes with free dippers. So, you know, it's a big way for us all. All right, so welcome to the Lo-Fi Top 5. Uh, we are doing High School Movie. I am JT of the Millennial Variety. And this is Jeremy. You know, when I went to school, we didn't have things that you dipped. The only dip, like sour cream and onion dip, I think was invented on our watch. Like, <laughs> your generation, like, I know what you're talking about because all those high school lunch products, like Lunchables and all yeah. that, like... I remember the Lunchable, like when it first came out, and I probably saw some ad for it on like a Three's Company rerun or something. <laughs> oh, God. But like the ability to dip things, l- listen, JT's friends who are all millennials, your ability to dip some product, food product and some other food product and, and that not be super basic, just just thank the Gen X parents. Yeah. we Well, I'll tell you, for Dunkaroos alone, we're so grateful. Just so, so eternally grateful. But now, JT, the more important question that our listeners actually care about isn't necessarily our lunch, but which of our generations got to experience better movies about the facility in which we are having said lunch? You know what? I'm so glad you brought that up, Jeremy. So in preparing my list this week, it's it's weird because I am sort of of two minds, right? Like a lot of my friends, yes, are millennials. Um, but I also grew up with like a lot of like a lot of my friends are like old people like you. So I'm I'm very sorry. That was cheap, but you you set it up. So I do think of I think a lot of like quintessential high school movies for me are still your generation's movies, technically. 
right? They're like, they were either came out when I was born or within the first eight years of me being born, but I watched them. So in this, in making my list this week, I basically sidestepped anything that didn't feel specifically my generation based. Interesting. I'm all over the map. (laughs) I'm going to tell you like to, to a point, and, and there's a lot of reasons for this, but just to sort of preface it, I did not like 80s era high school movies oh, when I was of that age. So just to throw names out there, regardless of whether they come on either of our lists, the go-tos that a lot of people might have, like 16 Candles is probably that one that name that would come to a lot of people's mind. Sure, Movies like those were not my favorite. I saw them. I enjoyed them. They were fine. But in many ways, like... I, you know, I was a, I was a computer kid, so I wasn't like I was the, I was that kid like oh he, he's got glasses on. If he only didn't have the glasses and had better hair, he'd be better looking. Like mm-hmm. I, you know, like like the that trope. Yeah, sure. Um, so for me, I didn't really relate to a lot of those movies. And when we actually get into the to the list making here, you'll you'll see very much. I went multi generational, so I've I've I got stuff that ain't mine. Is I guess the way I would look at it. All right. There are a few that are sacred, of course. Of course. Um, but my favorite stuff, I, I realized this this week, is my favorite stuff of my generation, my era from the 80s, is actually really stuff that isn't technically my generation. It's all the other sitcoms, the Beverly Hills Cops, the, those movies, which were not for my age, if you really think about it. Yeah, no, for sure. So uh, I'm excited. I'm actually really excited. Yeah, so I took a similar approach um, with the exception of like trying to lean away from a lot of the obvious stuff, a because like it's obvious and who cares. B we have Shawshank for that if you really need to bring it up. But also, and you'll see this in my list, I really leaned into the movies that spoke to me as high school mm. movies, which doesn't necessarily mean they're the ones that were the most popular. Because sure. a lot of the ones that are the most popular are ones that were more sort of for everybody. And there's two or three movies on my list that are very specifically like movies that connected with high school JT. So like I was really okay. into them. Um, I do have one big caveat that I'm going to put out, which I, I eliminated an entire category of high school movies uh, just for me, not for you, but it was just the thing that I had to do, which is sports. Uh, mm. There is a fair amount of high school sport movies that I really, really like. Like there's a top five in there potentially for me. I don't know that I could get to like 15, but I could definitely get to 10 ish. And for that reason, there was enough of them. And I was like, this is going to pollute my list. And at least one, maybe two would slide into my top five. So I just got rid of them entirely. So of the nine titles I've picked for you this week, I'm taking remember the Titans off the list. That is as a, that is one of them. There yeah. you go. There's two more that were three. Listen, we've talked about Bring It On before, and there's two other ones I don't want to talk about that are that like I definitely could have slid one, absolutely could have been in my top five. But I was like, yeah, you know what? Those are like sports movies that happen in high schools, not a high school movie that involves sports. And that was sort of my that was my flip to to include or not include. Well, if we're doing that, I'm just going to tell you there's one movie that everybody listening to is going to be like, well, of course Jeremy's picking this, probably even Shawshanking it. That I decided, I wrote down a, this simple note about it. We'll see where it comes in. I think you might have it. Uh, I have a movie, though, I have labeled as not actually a high school movie, even though it features scenes in high school, but is much more a movie about teenage lifestyle. Full stop. 
Interesting. I actually don't yeah. know what that is now. I thought you were going in one direction because I was mentioning sports, and now I don't know where you're going. Okay, well, that's fun. All right, so without further ado, uh, let's get into the list, which means we'll start with our Shawshank. The Shawshank is, from our very first episode ever, the most rewatchable movie of all time. So is there a category-defining movie around high schools? You go first this week. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's uh, from 1985. I don't think I have to say any other words than that. And you're going to agree with me is my assumption here. But the movie does star Paul Gleason and Anthony Michael Hall. Anthony Michael Hall. In 1984. Uh, now I'm confused. This is not the one I thought you were going to pick. Oh, oh I wait. think it is. I think, I think you just didn't realize he's in that movie. You confused him with another actor or something. Is this Breakfast Club? Yeah. Yeah, okay, fair enough. For some reason, so you said Anthony Michael Hall, and I was like, weird science? I don't know why that happened. <laughs> I was like, is that a high school movie? I guess it kind of is. Yeah, fair enough. I was actually thinking you were going to Shawshank something else, so I am I was caught off guard. But yeah, this is a th- this was in my we don't need to talk about this. It didn't make my list anywhere, Like just because I was like, yeah, it's, it's just Breakfast Club. Yeah, it's just Breakfast Club. But weird science, by the way, did not, uh, I'll just, again, disclaim, does not make any of my lists, but is absolutely, absolutely a high school movie. Yeah, it definitely is. What the, the the blues, the jazz scene is one of my favorite, you could never do that scene again, scenes, I think, that I can think no. of. But, uh, so I have a Shawshank, and it's a different one, uh, and it's definitely generational, and I'm not going to talk about it a ton, but July 9th, 1999, any guess? Wait, can I guess? Yeah. I don't know anything about this movie. I've never seen it. My assumption is you have picked Can't Hardly Wait. I have not. So not as the show. Oh. So uh. I'll give you the five words, and this is how all of my five words are this week. We're playing Thesaurus five words. United States filled pastry. Got it. I have this in my top five. I'm willing to seed it straight up in the Shawshank. I wrote movie ruined MILF for everyone. Oh, that's funny. Um, so for my generation... Right. If I really think about my generation, I think if everybody had to pick the quintessential high school movie, I think universally you're probably 75 plus percent. Everybody goes American Pie. Interesting. I I really thought Can't Hardly Wait was your generation's breakfast club. I'm sure it's going to come up. It will. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, America. It's funny. I almost do want to talk about it a little bit because of the generational difference in experience. I think it'd be interesting to hear from you a little bit about how this fit in, but I also don't want to violate the the sanctity of the Shawshank. Well, if so, let's do this. Listen, it's our podcast. We can do whatever we want. So you did have it on your list. You don't, you're willing to take it off your list or do you want to do it? And then I'll just talk about it from my point of view afterwards, or we could just like have a conversation and you can still leave it off your list. No, I think it's worth leaving in the list because A, I'll enjoy talking about it a little bit, and B, I actually think it'd be really, I really do want to hear from you about it because we have not talked about it at length. I think it's come up, we sort of like dabbled around American Pie a couple of times, but it's never really hit. And I actually think it's profound nature to you. Like Breakfast Club, we have talked about one way or another, and it's such a, you know, we talked about this in prep, like, you don't have any of, we don't have any of these real, the, the really good ones without a breakfast club, right? It's, yeah. it's necessary. So why don't we go straight into the top five right now? Do it. We'll go straight into American Pie since I am first this week. And then I have a, uh, we have no guessing. I, I did, I was going to give, I assumed that there were no two actors I could pick, but the ones I had hoped might be the most 
You'll probably get it, but Stumpy-ish, where Allison Hannigan and Eugene Levy. I thought maybe she's a little less prominent in the movie, you know? Yeah, Levy would have given it away for sure, just because if you're saying a high school movie and and him, I know what movie you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I guess I can't... Th- I mean, maybe the sequels? I don't know. I'm trying to think, was he in any other high school-related titles. No, but I do think for my generation, if you're not, basically if you're not a Christopher Guest fan, he is Stifler's, or he is Jason Biggs' dad. Like, that's that's who he was for an entire generation of people that didn't know Eugene Levy until Schitt's Creek. Like, there's a lot of people in my world that I think think of him exclusively in that role and don't know all the other comedic work that he did because it wasn't in our wheelhouse, right? That, that, that stuff, that whole, like, late 90s, early 2000s guest stuff was not really for me. I was 12. So the Eugene Levy appearance that would be my definer for him is Splash. So I think I want to go with 83, 84. I haven't looked that one up in a bit. But to me, Eugene Levy is sort of the bad guy from Splash as my first sort of what he was for then years to come. Obviously now he's more the – to me now actually he's just Eugene Levy. He just does so many things. Yep. While he has like a type and he's often that type. That that is sort of the equivalent, I think. It's like twelve year old JT saw him as uh, as the dad, and twelve year old Jeremy saw him as the bad, literally by the the bad guy yeah. from Splash, who was so mean to to nice Daryl Hannah. Why was he have to be so mean? <laughs> <laughs> so I'll do I'll do my American Pie bit really quick, and then let's uh, let's hear more about yours, which is which is which will be interesting. So first thing I want to say is my five words. This is where I think there's a good example of a generation gap, or, or not gap, but just delta. The word, the term MILF, which we won't define for our, for our audience here because you have the internet, at that time was at best like an urban dictionary kind of term. Yeah, like people didn't know what that was. That was like a that was like a nod. That was like you referenced the the Irish goodbye on an episode a few weeks ago. Like there's just some of these terms that were like a little bit less mainstreamed. Sure, and this movie just took it straight up to the to the front of the class. Like, here you go. Um, for me, though, this is like three years out of college, so it's very clearly looking back at high school. And I think why it, for I mean, also it's hysterical, right? Yes. And it's coming out at that era of pushing lines and limits that you know. I, I think we said a few months ago started probably with there's something about Mary. And this took it up to a certain height that was unparalleled. It was as uh, irreverent as our Animal House or Caddyshack or movies from, again, from, from when I was a kid, which, again, actually aren't movies from when I was a kid, right? right. They're movies, <laughs> or literally, they are movies from when I was a kid, but appreciated more in college. Right. And so American Pie actually is in that stratosphere for me, even though it doesn't have the same, like, um, true legacy that, that the ones that came before it did. And I think it suffers a little from, you know, it, it's, you can't make a lot of this movie again. You can make some of it again, but yeah. definitely not all. And the, uh, the kids were fun to watch. Like this was all new talent, all being discovered, really authentic seeming, you know, again, it's sort of for me and my generation that window into, you know, those kids today, but still in an age where we can relate to those kids today. Like I could watch this movie and be like, oh man, 
high school. Yeah, maybe it wasn't so bad. Maybe that was a lot of fun. Maybe this was cool. Maybe that was cool. Um, in a way that I think I could only do as a 20 something. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. So you were 14, 15. I was 14 when this came out. This movie was a huge, huge deal in my high school. Like for all of my friends, like I remember it being a thing. It came out a year after the movie you already referenced before, which is can't hardly wait, which is going to be my first entry into my list. And I'm, I'm going to say that now. Cause I'm going to flex into why that movie, not this movie. So, sure. I love America. America Pie is hilarious, right? Like I think a lot of people like you know this is one of the better taglines of all sign of all time. That's like an under the under the radar, which is like there's something about your first piece. Like that's some that stuck with me forever. Like I remember that <laughs> box art. But the thing that I didn't like about American Pie, and the reason that it didn't resonate with me, is everything just seemed turned to eleven character wise and what i like more in most of the high school like movies that i identify with is when they're a little more subtle about the nuance of high school character development so it's more like yes there's this character but they're not like you know it's not oz being the perfect person and jim being an absolute bumbling fool and kevin being the cool but not fitting in and nadia being basically the hottest girl on the planet like just ratchet everything down to a seven because in high school, no one's actually that put together. Like, right. I, I, I like that. I prefer that. Right. So that was always my issue. It's listen, slapstick wise, it's hysterical. There's a minimum of four scenes in, in that movie that are like forever remember scenes like that are just like permanently burned into my movie ethos. Like that'll never go away. But I, I feel the same way about it now that I did then, which is like, it's good and I like it. But if you put it next to Can't Hardly Wait, where... First of all, I liked the cast more because it's just a huge cast. And second of all, for me, Can't Hardly Wait's a better movie because they just developed the, all the different versions of high school are like on display more and it feels a lot more approachable. There is no sleeping with mom. There is no absolute 10 for an exchange student, right? It's more like normal high school stuff and it's it's a movie that I really like just better uh, listen, like I just do. I like both these movies. Neither of them are gems, by the way. Like in the grand scheme of like great film. Uh, but listen to this cast from. So, like you said, with American Pie, right? Jason Biggs, uh, Baby Natasha Leone, which is great. She's amazing now. Eugene Levy's amazing. Jennifer Coolidge, who's like it's kind of this is probably this and uh, what's that other movie you just made me watch with the lawyer. Why can't I think of the name of it? Bring it on? Yeah, no, with the lawyer, when Jennifer Coolidge is the nail person. Oh, Legally Blonde. Legally Blonde, right? Sean William Scott's in this one. But then, like, if you think about the Ken Harley. So Ken Harley Wade had Jennifer Love Hewitt, Ethan Embry, Sean Patrick Thomas, Donald Faison, Jamie Presley, Selma Blair, uh, Brecklin Meyer, Jerry O'Connell, Jason Siegel, Melissa Joan Hart, and Charlie Corsmo. Who has barely barely yeah, did anything, but Cosmo was also Hook's son, <laughs> which always made me laugh. Well, this that's 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 Cosmo's career sort of winding down moment. Yeah. Right? Like that, like Hook, and he had a couple other things in that early 90s time frame where he was like, oh, this this kid might become a thing, and then yeah. just sort of didn't. Uh last question on American Pie for you before you move on. Uh saw it in theaters, and if so, how many times? I saw it in theaters once. Okay, how but this is 99, so it's the beginning of DVDs. Like, what sure. was the – how do you remember rewatching this? Because I'm sure you've seen it 100 times or whatever. Like, 
Yeah, the life cycle was mostly DVDs. Like this was a like at your buddy's house after school, let's put American Pie on in the background. Like, you know, messing around. Like that's that's totally what it was. I remember where I like I saw it at the Norma Jean Theater on Madison Avenue. Like I remember seeing it. I remember who I went with. Like it was a thing. Like it was like, oh, this is a movie for us. Let's go see it. And we did. Um, and I've, I had some friends that I think saw it more than once. I liked it. And every time it was, I never protested. Like, it's not a movie where people are like, let's watch American Pie. And I'm like, ugh. I'm like, all right, cool. <laughs> but if somebody's like, do you want to watch this or Can't Hardly Wait or some other movies I'll talk about later? Like, I think there are significantly better movies in this one. This one was just like a pure slapstick comedy version of high school, which is fun. And I actually think more directly ties into the breakfast club archetype, right? Which is like, take a character to like, take a character type and turn them all the way up. Right. And, and that's, that's fun, but I tend to lean more into realism. Like I, I tend to like when things are a little more realistic. And so, Oh, sorry. Come on. So that said, just to make sure I get to that sort of that real crux of it. You were Shawshanking it a little less out of, not out of a personal, like, I think this is more of a, for my generation, this is that archetype. This is the the Shawshank, and therefore it is. But you personally have other favorites. Yeah, so it, it's, it's, a, it's exactly right. It's an interesting version of Shawshanking for me because I'm Shawshanking a movie that otherwise would not have made my top five. Interesting. I, oh. and, and I don't argue its place either that's the weird thing like that's why this one is a little different like i agree it's probably the shawshank for my generation it's not my shawshank it's not the one that i think speaks the most to me but i have no argument that if anybody else was on this podcast for my generation and said well american pie i'd be like yeah probably <laughs> like yeah that's the right answer <laughs> so transitioning you now into can't hardly wait would that be your personal shawshank absolutely Okay, so my I, I'm I'm gonna leave I'm gonna give myself a point for nailing that one. Oh yeah, there's no yeah you know me <laughs> very well you know me very well yeah I just listen I know you haven't seen Can't Hardly Wait my 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 five words for it only because I want you to orient around how I'm trying to do five words this week was unable to somewhat pause. Was <laughs> my top was my five words? Pa- oh okay, what was the what was the last one the the American Pie was, was United States filled pastry. I like this. Yeah, okay. So I really do want you to see it. Um, It's an amazing cast. And what I like about the cast the most, like I said, is they all fit these like high school stereotypes. And because it was 1998, like squarely the stereotypes that existed in my world. Like this was a Northeast-ish feeling college or high school rather, like – every version of Seth Green in this movie, every version of everybody was a person that I could go, this is this person, this is this person, this is this person. So get that. For me to really appreciate though for the rest of this thread, give me the either like, this is just Breakfast Club redone in my time or pitch the story in like 15 seconds, like the shortest version ever of like just a bunch of kids in high school dating and whatnot. Like what's going on? No, got it. So end of uh, end of senior year high school party where everyone goes to and everyone is f- basically forced to confront who they're going to have to be when they leave high school. Okay. And is the premise like if it's the end of the party, is it like some losing virginity, some who's going to do the crazy jump in the pool, who's going to do this, that kind of stuff? Nailed it. Nailed it. And 
And does the story arc like pre-party, like the setup, or is it all like one night in this storyline? You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, no. So it's basically the the it's the party. Like the, it's all the, at the party. Yeah, everything happens basically at this party. So you get to see everyone coming to terms with high school being over and the next chapter of their life and their friendships and their relationships or lack of relationships. Like it's all, I actually do think it's a really interesting way to approach sort of high school is like the end, right? Which is like, and and the reason I think the movie's so brilliantly done, to be honest, is because they don't actually have uh, any setup. The, the people that walk in, the way they look, the way they talk, who they're interacting with and the rest of the party tells you the story of who they are without any context. Right. So they didn't have to do a cut shot. There's no like backwards looking into high school to figure out who these kids are. You know, they make it as clear as possible. Okay. Yeah. Nice. And so you were in high school, what, like a sophomore? Yeah. And how? Also, no, I was sorry. No, I was actually a fresh. I was a freshman when. Uh, American Pie came out, and I was a I was in eighth grade when Can't Hardly Wait came out. But it was like my eighth grade summer going into ninth grade. I think. Got it. And did it make? I mean, did it impact you as a high school student? Were you like, I want to be that guy, or I don't want to be that guy, or? Yeah, specifically, I don't want to be that guy. There was a couple of characters that I saw myself potentially being, and one or two of them was like, "Yikes, I don't want that." Like who? Like give me like which which uh, actor? Well, so, Seth so, Green? Like yeah, so Seth Green. Seth Green was like this uh, suburban white kid who leaned very very heavily into hip hop culture, but clearly didn't understand it. And so I wasn't a suburban white kid, but I was white. <laughs> And did lean very heavily into hip hop culture and wasn't going quite the route he was going, which was more like Malibu's Most Wanted, but definitely was like, it was a moment where I was like, oh, I bet a lot of people when they watch this think I'm one of those kids. And I was like, yuck, I don't want that. That's not what I want. And that's why American Pie didn't resonate with me because there's nobody in American Pie where I'm like, oh, it's me. Like everybody, like everyone is just so something else. Like, you know what I mean? I don't know. Maybe it's just because of where I grew up and how I grew up. I'm not sure. And was there anybody that you wanted to be thought of? Like, were you the Ethan Embry or the Charlie Cosmo court black Cosmo? Um, no, definitely. No, nobody wanted to be Charlie Cosmo in this. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think Ethan Embry is such a lovable human as a character like even in empire records like you can't not root for him and he's like this he is the hopeless romantic in can't hardly wait and so he's a normal kid he's a middler right he middles all through high school nobody likes him nobody doesn't like him he's kind of fine he's in love with the most beautiful girl on you know in the school which is jennifer love hewitt which at the time she was uh and so yeah i think everyone identifies with him as being a good guy but he's also not like a hero by any stretch like he's all like you you want to be better than that's why I love this. Like, dude, I love this movie. Mike Dexter is a character. The way Stifler became like a a thing, I think of yeah. Mike Dexter more because Mike Dexter is the villain in this. He's the head of the football team, right? He's super mean to everybody. He dates this girl who's beautiful, but he treats her like garbage. Like he's all all of the things that you expect from that character type, right? He's basically Emilio Estevez. Like they they dress him the same. He wears the same t-shirts. But oh, interesting. But like, so, but for that, for me, was really cool too, because in that moment, I'm like, I definitely don't want to be that guy. And I want to make sure I'm not friends with that guy either. 
which was cool. Like it was like a good, it was somewhat orienting. There's somebody who hopped around to a couple different high schools. Like I probably use this, this movie a bit too much as a bookmark, to be honest. <laughs> All right. Thank you for giving me that much airtime. That was very kind. Absolutely. So two picks down. I'm going to do the last one that I think we will share. And then the rest I think are unshared. Just a hunch. So I got one pick, again, predicted on your list from 2004. It's include, the cast includes Neil Flynn, uh, janitor guy from Scrubs. Love Neil and, Flynn. And Amy Poehler. Okay, I think I and know what this is. Probably. The five words I will give you are can't unsee Jingle Bell Rock. Yeah, so my five words for this was unkind adolescent females. There you go. And this is this top five for you? It is not. Oh, but it's but it's in the top. It's in there. This is okay. so Mean Girls is kind of American Pie for me. Everybody in my generation would be like Mean Girls, and I'm kind of like yeah, Mean Girls. <laughs> Interesting. I think Mean Girls is. I had it as a you might even Shawshank it because to, I believe that to a generation slightly younger than you, just a couple years, yep. this is their Breakfast Club by a long shot. This is the. Probably were forced to watch Breakfast Club and are the group that find it too slow and boring, which which I understand and have no yep. issue with, because why would you in this era, right? But Mean Girls, I think, is a phenomenal film, actually. I think it's probably one of the best written movies from any of the SNL alums. I think the writing is amazing on it. Uh, Tina, I mean, all of, the, all of the SNL folk are in it. Tina Fey and Tim Meadows and Amy Poehler do a great job in their parts. It really does show that slice of parenting high school life in the mid-2000s, though. I think it actually, other than the extremism of how this story goes with the full-out riots in the high school, I think it's showing, it's it's the first time you really started making fun of the helicopter, I want to be your friend parent style, yeah, which true. was, I think, relevant. I think it was also re- reflecting the, Utterly uninvolved parents like uh, Katie. It's Katie, right? Katie. Yeah, yeah Katie. Katie. Had. Uh, so I think it shows that kind of slice of life really nicely. I think it does a fun job of the technology of the time and the uh, the way the split screen phone calls work. It has that, what I think was one of the first use of a clever storytelling concepts, which was the split screen phone calls where there was the reveal, there was somebody else listening in, you know, I never, I had seen a, a, a way of storytelling like that before that moment. I think it was really clever to both pull the audience in, show something clever, be a little tricksy and be super hysterical as you go. I thought that was great. And then finally, like I remember seeing this movie first time I saw it and watching Lindsay Lohan and being that is Julia Roberts for this generation. Yeah. And then watching where her career actually, unfortunately went and she's more of like the Tara Reed of this generation, or I mean, maybe not quite as train wrecky, but no, that's about right. That's a great comp. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cause I had her on my note from uh, American pie, American pie. Absolutely. There you go. It's also interesting to note that those movies are only five years apart, but feel a good like decade or more apart. Like, American Pie feels like mid-90s, and Mean Girls almost feels like it's a few years ahead of its time as yeah. far as like events that were transpiring. So anyhow, I, I love this movie. I think it's one of the most quotable 
you know, my, my generation, we have issues with quoting stuff that came out after like 1983 or so, you know, <laughs> <laughs> not true. We'll go into the early nineties, Wayne's world and et cetera. But yeah, of course, 2004 Mean Girls is, I would wager that for Gen X, it's probably the most quotable post 2000 movie. I'll lay that out there until Ooh. I contradict myself later down the road. Anchorman? More you than us. I, I don't think we quote Anchorman as, as oh, readily. Okay. I can I can follow the quotes from Anchorman. Same with like uh what's the what's the Animal House one? Um where they live in the frat house. PCU? Go back. Old school. No, old oh, school. Old school. I was like, PCU is your, your generation. Yeah. Right. Old school's got some good quotes like Frank the Tank Frank and Not Enough Frank Time. Yeah, but I think Mean Girls is is up there. Yeah, I would argue. So this is a great pick. I think it's probably of all the movies that I have on my list this week, I would I would put it in the top three of actually best movies. Like just start to finish, like reviewing it, not like as a, do I like it, but like a like just is it a good movie? And this one's a yeah. really really good movie. It's definitely top four. Maybe even sleeping in, like sneaking in a top three. Yeah, I really like this movie. I think it's a good pick. I'm glad you picked it. I again, <laughs> high. I have a high respect for it. It's just not like it's not as like for in my top five. Like there's a lot of movies in the same genre that I would pick before it. Fair enough. I uh, I, I pegged it as a likely top five for you, but uh, that's fair. I I accepted being out there somewhere else. All right, so my turn, and I'm going to go with my, this is my only other, like, meh pick. Not that Can't Hardly Wait was a meh pick. It wasn't a meh pick at all. This one was a meh pick. So this is the one that I was arguing back and forth in my head with Mean Girls. Uh, July 19th of 1995. Um, let's go with Brecklin Meyer and Donald Faison again. <laughs> what year? 1995. Brooklyn Meyer, Donald Faison. Um, oh, oh, uh, yeah. I, I have this. I, I'm assuming. Well, why you give me your words? But I, I, I will positively identify if I was yeah. right. It's word, and it's just simple-minded, clueless. Yes, correct. Okay, yeah. No, I, this is. I, I'm. By the way, three for three. I'm just letting you know. Oh yeah, and listen. The the next three. If you get you if you get two of the next three, I'll be very impressed with you. So this one, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on Clueless. It was so I was ten when this movie came out, so it was a little bit below me. But I was always watching up just because my mom didn't care what I watched. So uh, this movie had it's basically on the list because of cultural impact. Like okay. the idea of Visco girls, I was from the East Coast. I was a New York kid. Like I didn't care about West Coast people. I didn't live that life. Nobody I knew had cars like that. Nobody I knew wore clothes like that. However, after this came out, it changed vocabulary. For like, sure. It was it was a while. It was the fir- it's the first movie I remember watching and then immediately after seeing it, noticing my friends and people I knew being different because of it. And it was wild. Like I just remember thinking like you don't sound like that Tracy. Like it was just like such a weird moment in time. Uh, and for that reason, I think it's a really important movie. I still love this movie. I actually do think it holds up. Um, I thought this is another one where everybody's turned to 10. They're all the worst versions of the high school versions of those people. Uh, but there is like some nice, there's some fun stories. Um, 
you know, they didn't handle the whole having a gay character great in the eyes of 2021. But the fact that they did it at all and made it approachable in 1995 was a pretty big deal. I remember that actually being, I went to Catholic school, like it wasn't, not everybody was thrilled, which made me, which made me like this movie way more than some parents didn't like it. I was like, great. Now (laughs) I like, now I love this movie. Uh, yeah, I just think like I'd be dead if I didn't include this because even though this is definitely fringing millennial like early, cause I'm in that weird spot where like, I'm a little too old and a little too young, depending on where yeah. I, where I fall. Um, whereas mean girls, I think is definitely like the, the real millennial pick. This probably evs is a little bit more, it's like too close to your generation than my generation, but it definitely isn't actually yours. It's more mine. So I think there's a lot of people that haven't even seen it. And mean girls is just like a better updated version of this because a lot of this wouldn't track today specifically technologically uh but i also feel like there's some people who are specifically in their mid-30s to like early 30s that would not have this if i said like if i didn't bring up clueless on best high school movies they'd be like dude you are the worst like you're the worst you have to have this I think you could again argue for it being shawshankable depends it depends on exactly where it hits i agree by the way it fully holds up in fact we were just talking about watching it with uh with sam like this week like it's one of those we want to we want to actually see it, and I think he'd like it, um, which is interesting, right? He's fourteen, and we're going to show him a movie that's most of the movies he sees that are let's say pre two thousand that he likes tend to be either really really just tight action thriller kind of movies, like he likes Sneakers, which I will die on the hill for any day. Um, he, he's enjoyed a bunch of those. I think this is one of those few where slice of life will really resonate for him. Yeah. Um, I think he'll enjoy watching it agreed on how they uh, handle some of the characters. It's, it's still that extremism. It's still, yeah. It's that era where we're not, we're not sure that we can have a gay character. Just, just be a gay character. We're going to make some jokes about it. We're going to like point it out a little more than we would today. Today it would just be like, yeah, Christian's gay. And that's that. Right. Yeah, the, the dude drives a 1956 Nash. Like, it's just such a wild, you know what I mean? Like, there's just so many wild, like, re- like they had to, like, like absolutely stamp it in such a, but right. again, 95. Can I ask a question about Sam watching this, though? Yeah. So, my kids aren't old enough to do this yet. I think of this time as potentially challenging. Because 95, the technology that Sam knows exists started to exist. So there's like inklings of it, but it's bad versions. Whereas like 80s, there just wasn't. So I almost feel like it's, e- would it be easier for him to watch the 80s stuff and go, None, this is just old versus watching this, which is a 95, which is like, they have cell phones. They're just the size of a shoe. We, we've we already gone there some somewhere along the way. I don't remember what we watched, but we've he gets that. You know, and possibly because his mom and I are constantly with it. Back when we were this, there was no this, you know. <laughs> we didn't walk uphill five miles in the snow each way, but we had, you know, cell phones where you still had to memorize people's phone numbers because you couldn't have an address book. And we right. had, yeah, like phones that were 60 pounds. And we had the extension cord that ran from the kitchen all the way to the living room and sure. party lines. Party lines. So he, <laughs> yeah. You know, I, he gets it because I, I've explained that I was once a beta tester for a little service back in the day that was launching known as America Online. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he'll get that, but he'll probably have a lot of questions when a certain when certain technologies show up on screen. He might be like, what was that? Like, if we haven't talked about... 
I can't remember what they use in Clueless. I, I don't assume they beepers. beepers. I was gonna say I can't remember if they like use Lycos or something like that. Or no, there are cell phones, and there are definitely beepers. <laughs> nice, nice. Well then, after Clueless, where do I want to take us? I've got one. I got one more that I thought might make your list because I know you like the director in movies, and the, I know you actually like this movie, but I don't know if it would have come to you as a high school movie. So we'll see how you did. Okay. This is on my, I think JT would have this, but I also think this is a high likely when JT sometimes forgets a movie he really likes. That's, that happens a lot. <laughs> it does. Mad Max. 1998. <laughs> okay. With Brian Cox and Luke Wilson. Oh, I love both those people. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Only school with kite flying. Only school with kite flying. Uh, 1998. Yeah, that's a weird clue. By the way, I was I was really stretching. I wish I just copied your your theme this week. I was just trying to always have like some what I consider an iconic scene from the from the. Basically, that's sort of my thing. It's like some iconic scene from each title. Okay, I don't know what this is. I don't think. You do, but uh, it's again, it's it could have been a throwaway scene. Um, <laughs> what I, the quote I wanted to go with, by the way, is a fa- just just three words. Oh, are they? Um. Oh. Oh. Rushmore. Yes. Okay. So. Yeah. Oh God, JT, you're stupid. Yep. Fair enough. I have Rushmore in my like contender pong just because I've talked about Rushmore before, but this is a brilliant pick and I love this. Oh, okay. But you didn't miss it completely. No, I have it written down as the year is wrong. I immediately went down to Rushmore when you said kite and I have it written down as 1999. And I was like, oh, I guess it's not Rushmore. What else is there a kite in? And then I just went to the internet, which told me that I wrote it down wrong. So we're okay. (laughs) I've I've done that before. Yeah. I know we've talked about Rushmore a couple of times, but it is... So good. It is my favorite Anderson's movies, as we've talked about. And I don't think we've talked about this movie as much as the context of like the high school dynamic. We've talked about sort of more of an Anderson movie we like a lot. I think this is one of those, like Jason Schwartzman's done a few other things. He was in, he plays sort of smaller parts now and a bunch of different things. He's definitely had his career. He's been in more of Anderson stuff. He was in Darjeeling Limited. Yep. But he was perfection in this movie. The braces wearing thick glasses, super smarmy, crazy smarter than he should be precocious character who is also completely socially awkward and has no idea of boundaries and where he fits in the world. And the more I've thought about this movie over the years and seen it many times, the more I realize like this is a major like this is a real deep character that they've that Anderson threw into this fun comedy. You know, it is more comedy than drama, but it's actually this super complicated character struggling with identity in such an interesting way. And I don't think a lot of movies pull it off as well as this one does, where if you were to just go rewatch Rushmore and then just spend half an hour sort of like, I want to use the word meditating, but it's not the right one. Just sort of deep diving into that, in, into this character a bit and what kind of struggles he was going through between his weird family, everybody else's weird family, this bizarre school, 
his own creepy level of intelligence combined with all the other stuff. It's a, uh, I, I like this movie. The more I think about it, the more time goes by. Yeah, it's, I think it's a beautiful movie. The thing that always sticks out to me is that this is, this is Schwartzman's first film. Right. And that's like when you, you said it perfectly, like the depth of that character and what he gets out of that character is so compelling period. But to think like your first credited thing is a Wes Anderson film where you've got to go do that guy and you yeah. do that guy that well. Whoo. Tell you what, it's impressive. Like, Think about this for a second. I'll just go real time. What other, think about all these movies. So we're talking about teenage actors sort of in their prime, late late teens, early 20-somethings. Who else could really have pulled off a role like this? Right? Uh, like, I have one that I'm not going to say because actually maybe I'll use that as a reason to, to do that on my list next. I have one actor that I think could do it. Only one. I'm I'm trying to think. You've got to have like that extreme ability to get all smarmy, right? You've got yep. to be able to dial that way up. So that like there, for example, would be like a Seth Green, right? He can pull off that that kind of yeah. Like he could have done. Oh, are they really well? Yeah, right. He definitely could have. He definitely could have. But I don't think he could have pulled off the super vulnerable. Like I, I agree. Like that's the thing to. Whether that was Anderson's directing Schwartzman as just a young actor being genuinely that vulnerable, I I don't know how he did it. I really, really don't. I don't either. Yeah, and to be clear, I do. Have, I have one person that I'm going to throw in that I think could have done it. I don't know that he would have done it as well, but I do think that I have somebody who could have done it. Yeah, I'm I'm really struggle busting this one. I like. I got one actor that I think could have also handled the vulnerability and he's, he, he'll come up in a, in a movie I'll do later. Yeah. yeah I'm, I, I'm, I'm stumped on, I'm stumped on replacing Schwartzman. So I've got one actual replacement. There's a part of me and he's not in my top five, but like there's a part of me that could see Michael Sarah doing some of it. I don't think he could do the precocious intelligence quite enough because he's a little too goofy. Um, you would need you would need the Michael Sarah right right before he hits big right at the end of Arrested Development of Arrested. Yep. You you need him. You need like George. Yes, George Michael could have been this character three years, two three years later. Yeah. But not grown up Sarah. Nope. No, no, no. Yeah. It, would, it was a moment in time, but I and I still don't think. But let me give you the one that I actually think would be what, and it's gonna. I'll, I'll use this to get into my next my next pick. Great pick, by the way. It's a great pick. Thanks. And just confirming, Rushmore best Anderson work still in both our opinions, or are you a, are you a Tenenbaums guy? It's uh, it's a one A one B probably with Tenenbaums. Okay. It depends on the day. Okay. Yeah. Bill Bill Murray's performance in both of those two. Ooh. Which one do you take? Rushmore. Yeah. Him, him standing on the diving board, smoking a cigarette. <laughs> you know, everybody credits um, the Sofia Coppola movie, which I uh, lost in translation yeah. to so much of, of the modern Bill Murray. I think that's true, but it's but it, I think it's a side A and side B, and side B is definitely Rushmore. Well, it's I think it's it's not Rushmore. It's his relationship with Anderson. It's this, it's Moonrise Kingdom, it's Life Aquatic, it's I mean, all of them. I mean, like, that is the Bill Murray that Fair. we all love, know and love. Whether you like all those movies or not, but, like, Murray is great in all of them because 
Anderson knew how to lean into Murray. <laughs> right. Right. All right, buddy, you're, you're okay. This one I don't think you're going to have, um, and I'm excited about that. Uh, so this was February 22nd, 2008, and right. the, f- the cast is tough. I'll give you Hope Davis and Kat Denning. I know both of them. Yes, you do. Uh, five cool. words are, this, is a, this was a tough one, famous ticket winner, fictional president. But is this still on your same theme that you've been doing? Same theme. So so their names, I'll give you a little bit of a hint. Famous ticket winner and a yeah. fictional president. Famous ticket winner would be Charlie Bucket. So you've got the first one. And a fictional president? Yes. It's not a Comanche Mountain Dew, right? It that's cl- it's a great guess, but no. <laughs> Well, the only Charlie movie I'm thinking is like I'm thinking of Charlie Wilson's War, but that's not right. That's the title of the movie. Has the name Charlie in it? Yes, it does. Charlie. It's not Charlie and the Chocolate Factory because that would actually have been a bad clue with the ticket, and you're a much better clue giver than that. Thank you. And yeah, 2008 Charlie, 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 fictional president. Um, I don't know what was J- Charlie Bartlett. Yay! Did you work that out that, because you got to Sorkin? Is that how you did that? Is that a movie? Yeah, it is a movie. Hey, um, honestly, I was I was torn in <laughs> thinking of a fictional president, and I was stuck on the president from the American president, whose name I couldn't remember, and the West Wing, whose name I could remember. So I went with it. Well, so it's yeah. So Jed Bartlett is from the West Wing. Yeah. I am a huge a huge West Wing nerd. So. Uh, Charlie Bartlett, you've never seen. That's fine. It has a 54 on Metacritic, which I think is way too low. Um, it's So the actor is Anton Yelchin. And I think Anton Yelchin could have done Schwartzman. I, I think he could. Interesting. Interesting, Paul. Just to make sure. I'm, this is the guy who was in the Star Trek franchise, too, yeah, right? who unfortunately yeah. passed away because of the crazy Jeep accident. Right. Um, I don't. I don't think, you know, it's not fair for me to say if he could have pulled it off. I've seen him twice. I saw him in the Star Trek franchise and he did a, a sort of weird romantic comedy where, uh, where, where he's stuck out of the country or something like that. I can't even remember what it's called. Um, but I didn't see that same depth in either of those performances. So I'll just take you at your word for it. So if you watch this movie, you, you would like it. I'm going to give you the quick version of what this is. So the reason that this movie's on the list um, first of all, Robert Downey Jr. is in this movie, and this is one of the movies that kind of brought, like this and Kiss Kiss Bang Bang brought him back into the ethos, which was great. He was brilliant in this movie. Um, there's an amazing scene where Anton Yelich does a, 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 he's trying out for a play, and he does a reading from The Misadventures of a Teenage Renegade. And it's one of my favorite random scenes in any movie, because that's a very, very specific type of play and reading, and he really leans into it. So this Here's how I'm going to explain this movie to you. This is if Ferris Bueller was Harold from Harold and Maude in The Breakfast Club. (laughs) So this is a rich kid who winds up going to a public school and finds Ferris Bueller level type fame 
but then has to navigate that fame across the different genres of people that he, that exist in high school. So for me to fully get that, where does this land on like a comedy, serious, heavy scale? Like where it's, are we? It's a comedy that has some real, real serious and dark undertones. Like Ferris in a way? Like Ferris has some heavy moments. Darker than Ferris. It's heavier than Ferris. Darker than Ferris. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But like I mean, overall along the way, are you funny. on a Ferris-like journey? This movie is a Ferris ripoff. The, okay. The okay. camera work is a Ferris ripoff. Him talking to himself in the mirror, him laying on couches, like everything about his mannerisms. Like this is this was supposed to be Ferris Bueller of 2008. Like that's why they okay. built it. 100%. That they, they threw in a little bit of like the I'm using Harold and Maud. It's not actually I'm using Harold and Maud because they actually sing. If you want to sing out, sing out. Um, but it's probably more like Arthur. It's more like if you cross okay. Arthur with Ferris and then send him into school. So whereas where Ferris Bueller took place out of school. Now imagine putting Ferris in school and seeing how he became Ferris. Okay. Yeah. I actually think this is a really brilliant movie and I'm, I'm, Sad it's as low rated, and I don't think a lot of people have seen it. Didn't get a lot of hype. It shouldn't have. Like it's a, it's a high school movie for sure. It's a little tropey. Like it's a little bit too on the nose in a lot of moments. Um, there's a beautiful use, brilliant use of jazz piano throughout the entire film, which you would really appreciate. Um, nice. I just, it's a really great flick, man. Like Kat Denny's and Anton Yelchin are really, really good together. RDJ is brilliant. Um, it tackles some really serious high school issues. It tackles some really serious nobody in high school is okay issues. So I'm just like a I'm a huge fan of it. And Anton Yelchin is a bummer because I think he could have done a lot of really cool stuff. And I'm really glad that he got this on film because there's some really brilliant stuff of him in this. And I'm glad that that exists. Yeah, somewhere him and Paul Walker are, you know, in a in a place that where, where taken taken in cars before our time. Yeah, and James Dean. <laughs> and James Dean. Uh, of course, his name won't come up at all today for any reason. <laughs> okay, uh, this is my last one, two, three, four. Yeah, this is my last. No, I have two to go. Sorry. Yeah, two more. 1992. Okay. This is going to hit my – I'm very curious if you've probably seen it because I just assume you in movies, but I also know that the timing of this – I'm guessing early 90s is actually a harder time for you movie-wise than than many would guess. But the cast includes uh, Gabrielle Anwar. Okay. And one of your favorites, PSH. Oh, I love PSH. This is 92? Mm-hmm. Um, while, while, while we're buying JT time, that's Philip Seymour Hoffman for everybody who doesn't sorry. know the PCA, PSH. Not What's to be the- confused with PCH. Right, no, not to. Um, can I get? Can I get the five words? Yeah, I don't. These are my least. I, I didn't know what to do with this, but uh, I, I wrote transform the mobster into actor. But sort of just to give you the asterisk, that's that's not about the movie. That's not about the movie. Well, it's super helpful then. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I was um, stretching on this one. You did a much better job on your five word game this week. No, that's okay. So this is you are right that ninety like that that's a really hard time for me because my mom watched all the eighties stuff but didn't care about the nineties stuff. So I don't know. Best tango scene in movie. Best tango scene in 
movie best tension. Oh my God, is this Son of a Woman? There we go. Oh, dude, what a good pick. I totally didn't think of this as a high school movie. Oh, Jeremy, this is so good. Oh, this is great. Go ahead. Sure. So the clue transformed Bobster into actor. It's 92. Pacino at this point, like his 80s were mixed. I actually was listening to something interesting about both him and both him and De Niro's careers in the 80s and how they had been so iconic in the 70s. And then the 80s each picked all these random stuff and had some huge hits and then also just huge misses. Scent of a Woman, I think, is that movie that that brought Al Pacino to a whole new generation of audiences, right? There are a whole lot of people who know him much more as the hua guy sure. than as, like, Michael Corleone. Which is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but, by the way, I'm going to say that for me, even, he's sort of in that territory. Like, you know, 92, think about it, I'm 19, right? So, I had seen... The Godfather once again, and what I'm now looking back on is the ruined movies for 18 year or 17 year olds American history and film class I took. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't until right about here, maybe actually a couple of years later, that I really started to appreciate The Godfather for what it was. Like I saw The Godfather in the mid 90s. I had no memory of anything that happened. And so the, the whole restaurant scene, all these things were full of unbelievable suspense for me. But going back to Sense of a Woman, Pacino crushes this role, right? Yeah. Pacino shows up like it, it was just an insane kind of role. This is right at the same time that you have like Nicholson doing You Can't Handle the Truth. Yep. You've got that like ex-military or current military. It, it almost becomes a trope for a while of like doing like not in military, like not in war scenes, but in life, day-to-day -day life. With that, you know, all of that training and all of that discipline combined with maybe a lot of anger or, or other emotions going on in the world. And something about Set of a Woman, and it's definitely not only one of Pacino's best works, but the whole cast involved, mm. right? There's an insane cast here. And they do a phenomenal job. I mean, Philip Seymour Hoffman playing the, this was my guess is maybe a Jason Schwartzman-like role, playing this unbelievably smarmy, rich kid you know, buying his way out of his problems, pranking people, still has that, like, leans into that, like, surfer dude voice in, yeah. the, in who he is. But watching the journey throughout the movie of these life experiences happening in New York, especially the tango scene where Al Pacino gets Gabrielle Anwar, gives her the rose, and, and blindly leads her through this amazing tango performance yeah. is just so great. But the real reason I picked it is because, again, the main character's journey is what's up here. And while most of the story doesn't happen in the high school, it's clearly, you know, maybe similar to Can't Hardly Wait. It's someone nearing the end of their high school yeah. journey and having to really define themselves. Is he hanging out with these rich kid losers who are flying off to Stad and leaving him in, you know, in the streets? Yeah. Or is he going to make something of himself like, uh, like the military man? Uh, I'm this is I'm like so sad that I didn't think of this. It's a great pick. And uh yeah. Hua. 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 I'm realizing as I'm saying that, like my uh this is some serious allergy season for me, buddy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just sort of listening to myself through the microphone. I'm like, oh I don't I don't want to listen to this guy talk much longer. Give him give him some more Zyrtec. Oh, that's funny. Um all right, I'm gonna go to my next one. Uh I'm gonna make this one pretty quick. October 3rd, 2008. Uh, I'll give you Cat Denning again. 
and Seth Myers. I don't. So I did a thing with the, your your the the what JT will pick movies. I didn't write down the years, so I wouldn't be able to guess perfectly. I'm guessing though that that is super bad. No, super bad is ah. good, but not in my top five. I love super bad, but it's 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 not there. All right, well that's a miss. Go ahead. Uh, uh, so the five words are young couples bottomless song collection. Is this Nick and Nora's infinite playlist? It is indeed. Yeah, I forgot to put this on your list. I would so, pick this one in a heartbeat. Yeah, so the the reason it's there is because this is barely a high school movie. I'm basically cheating. Um, but it is a high school movie for all of the themes, right? Love, loss, happiness, sadness, confusion, love triangles, misfitting clothes, trying to fit in, trying to figure out who you are, having self-doubt and then not understanding the world and choosing these people over these people. The main reason that this is on my list, my personal top five, is because a quintessential, two quintessential characters in this film are New York City and the New York City music scene. And so for me who spent a fair amount of my teenage years running around New York like an idiot, chasing <laughs> bands, trying to find DJs, doing all that stuff. There is something that will be forever nostalgic to me about this, uh, about like taking trains and, and getting into places and trying to sneak into and using a friend's connection to get to a blah, blah, blah. Like it's just a very particular moment of time that happened to be high school for me. And so uh, I really do actually like this movie. It's Michael Sarah. I think Michael Sarah and Kat Denning are very good. Um, Jay Rochelle is very funny in this movie. There's a lot of like stereotypes that I think are very cute. Um, it really reads more as like a, uh, it reads like a college movie because of the action that's happening. Um, sure. But a lot of that was what my house high school felt like uh, to me, right? Like I don't have a traditional college experience because I kind of feel like I checked a lot of boxes in my high school <laughs> of doing college things just because I, I wanted so desperately to be an adult. So I absolutely adore this movie. I actually put it on the list and then watched it this week to see. I was like, can I really justify this pick? And about 14 minutes in, I was like, yes, I can. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I saw it once. I enjoyed it. I certainly flagged it as a movie I would I would happily rewatch, but I wouldn't proactively rewatch. Sure. That's that's the right yeah. way to feel about this movie. Yeah. Nice pick, buddy. Good. Uh, and I think... I think it might be next to uh, the one where they all die and go to go the, the Hell on Earth one. I think it might be my favorite Michael Sarah in a movie. Yeah. He's so – I mean, this is like – this is this is actually what happens when George grows up. Like, this, that's what this is. Like, he's perfectly that in this movie. Especially in the beginning, he's, like, broken and sad. But, like, there's, vain, there's like, wanes of confidence, but not really. Yeah, it's great. No, George Michael has no confidence ever in life. George Michael definitely is more – turns out to be Buster, not – that's Not anything true. like Michael. That's a good point. Alrighty. Oh, we could talk. I could talk Arrested Development all day, but I won't. So now for my final pick, 1982. Ooh. Unforgettable pizza, pool scene. Our pizza. Uh, right. No. Roddy Dangerfield. No. Oh, you were thinking of. I know what you're thinking of. School ties. Back to school. Back to school, right. Sorry. Back to school. No, so 1982, the unforgettable pool scene is the red bathing suit scene. It is. And it's um that's Chevy Chase. It is not. See, I'm like no, it, he could have easily been in this. Like it was one of those movies where everybody he, was in it, so why not? 
Yeah, this is embarrassing that I, I can't think of what movie this is because it's like a super famous and influential movie, but I can't. That's all right. I, I forgot to give you the cast members, but they won't change anything for you, but I would have given you Forrest Whitaker and Eric Stoltz. Yeah, I, I know both of them. I literally can like play this movie out in my head, but I can't. Fig- I cannot get to the name. Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Thank you. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So originally, this was my going to be my like. I was going to put this up there in a Shawshanky way of a. I think definitively, this movie does all of high school movies for everybody of all time. I think you only have a Breakfast Club because of Fast Times. I still think that's actually true, and. It's just not as special to me because I realized I have crazy nostalgia for Fast Times at Ridgemont High. It came out in 1982. I was nine, right? So I didn't actually see this movie till somewhere in high school, college. There's no way I saw this younger. I I didn't see this at nine for sure. I didn't see it at 13 for sure. Because also at this era, the only way you're watching, re-watching a movie is renting it on videotape. And... As much latitude as I had being a latchkey kid, it definitely, there, there were some rules to follow. Sure. So I saw Fast Times at Ridgemont High is what I'm saying is at some appropriate time. But I put it on the other night, watched about half an hour of it, and recognized like my amazing nostalgia triggers for this movie. Like everything they're doing in the mall and you know, watching, the, watching Judge Reinhold in the fast food restaurant and listening to him talk about their careers and the kids scalping tickets right. and mall culture and video game arcades and all of these things. I was like, yes, I love this era. But I also have to recognize, like, actually, I'm nostalgic for a slightly predated version of what I grew up in, right? The 86 to 89 version of this is a little different. Not a tremendous amount different, but a little different. And this is representing a lot more like late 70s culture. Yeah, that is what I grew up with. So I, so this is interesting. I feel that way, and I'm, I might be doing this to justice. I'm sure that you and your generation are going to hate me for this, but I feel that way when I watch singles, because I so desperately like that early, like that, like flannel yeah. Seattle culture. I wanted that, but like I was in '97, '98. That was gone. Like that was mostly what that had left the building. That's right. And so I watch singles and go, "That's what I wanted." My that's what I pretend my life was like, but it wasn't. Right. <laughs> right. Right. And yeah, although I didn't have anywhere near I worked in the mall. You know, I worked in a fast food restaurant. I did these jobs. And so they were all very, very relatable, but it's definitely clearly a different pocket of time. What I think is interesting, and you and I have touched on this in some of the movies we've talked about today, it's actually the I think some of the most developed high school kids as characters, right? That's fair. Other than Spicoli as sort of nothing but burnout, which is fair. Like you had those kids, like the burnout. It's it's not like you had burnout kids who were also like amazing math students. Like burnout kids were burnout kids. That's what they did. Right. Right. Yeah. They walked into the pizza shop. They took off their shirts and they caused trouble because they had nothing else to lose. Like who cares? Right. And they know where they're going. And I had those friends. And like, I remember that, that time. But all the rest of the characters from Judge Reinhold, Phoebe Cates, um, Eric Stoltz, even the ticket scalper guy, Mikey, they're all multifaceted in, in, a, in, in a really, really interesting and well-developed way that I think you start losing after movies like this. And, and occasionally they flirt back to in different area, eras. Like 
Rushmore sort of has multifaceted. Mean Girls has multifaceted. But like American Pie, Breakfast Club don't. Right. right. Yeah. So I had to put it in because I really, I, and I really do like the movie and, and watching it. Gosh, it was actually hard to watch only because of my, the, the amount of nostalgia trigger was so high for me that I was like, wow, I love this. You know, this, those were the times. Yeah. And that's what I wrote down this note. It's like, Hey, when you talk about this, those weren't your times and don't forget that. That's, that's, that's awesome. You just made me think of something. So actually the reason I love can't hardly wait and not American pie is because American pie is doing more breakfast club and uh, can't hardly wait is doing more fast times because what it is, is it's not just character development, but it's volume. When you allow yes. to have that many amount, when that, when you have that amount of characters, you don't have to turn them all the way up. You can allow them to just sort of exist and, and be who they are. And that's what Fast Times does, which is why that's why I prefer uh, Can't Hardly Wait because they do they do the Fast Times trope as opposed to the they go wide instead of deep. Yeah, yeah. All right, what you got next? All right, great pick. This is my last one. Um, I'm glad I saved this for last because this might actually be my favorite movie, and I think this is the one that's probably most. I love Can't Hardly Wait. So March 31st, 1999. Um, God, this cast is so good. I'll give you David Krumholtz and Larry Miller. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna. I, I think I know this one, uh, but I'm not gonna. It's it's not gonna come to mind. Let's hear your words. Uh, okay, it is number traits despised apropos individual. Number traits. Yep. Despite? Despised. Despised. Apropos individual. This is 10 things I hate about you. I was pretty proud of try- of making that five words work. That was hard. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> and it's one of those movies when I did my, you know, time to go research to see if I missed anything. It was like high on lots of lists. And also I've never seen it. And You've I know it. you never seen this? Nope. And I know it's again in a millennial wheelhouse thing and and again i don't know why but i didn't write it down on the jt list so oh jeremy okay um oh heath ledger joseph gordon levitt julia stiles david crumholtz andrew keegan gabrielle union larissa olenek like this is a cast of the time uh it's basically the taming of the shrew so you know the story uh, I think there's a couple of scenes in this movie that are aggressively iconic. I do think there's a part of this movie that gets inflated because of the Heath Ledgerness, because um, he is like really, really, really Heath Ledgery in this, in like his like teen heartthrob version, not like his crazy Brokeback Mountain or Dark Knight Heath Ledgery. Right. Uh, this is personally uh larissa olenek was my first big crush after claire danes so a little bit of a you know like little 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 thing there for me it's cute i really liked her and alex mack on on nickelodeon uh (laughs) this this movie really holds up it's hysterical it's super cute it's lovely the characters make sense they have a certain amount of agency which is weird for a high school movie uh everybody like everyone's motivation tracks with who they are. And it's basically like a more real version of clueless in some ways. Um, I actually do think this is just like a tremendously well done high school rom-com. And like, I think it's an archetype. Uh, I think it's better done than most. And they find a way to make it camp, but 
oddly believable camp, which is nice to me. I like camp. I'm a camp guy. Like, you know, I'm all for fan service. There's a couple moments in this, which is like, oh, this is a movie now. But there's also a lot of it where it's like, but you've built this character up just enough that this is like absurd that maybe they would have done it. And I could pretend that this is actually happening. I adore this movie. And I actually think it's it also spawned another really big high school movie <laughs> because Julia Stiles does something in this movie that gets her into another movie that I'll talk about later in Pong maybe. Uh, I, I would highly recommend that you watch this. And I think you could watch it with Sam. Like it's it. Oh, I don't. It it's not gross. There's not weird stuff. It doesn't have any. I can't think of it. I'm sure there's a couple lines here and there, just because it was you know 1999. But for the most part, like it's it's a very feminist heavy, strong female lead movie. There's a lot of comeuppance for people. Um, it's before Andrew Keegan started a church. Gabrielle Union was old in this movie too, and she looks amazing. She's not human. <laughs> it's not. It's unreal. Yeah, it's just it's such a good flick. This is a movie where like if it's on HBO, I'm like pumped. I'm like, nice. Ten things is on. <laughs> All right. It's interesting compared to Clueless, given that they're both basically old uh old novels turn or, or old writings turned into modern movies, right? Because Clueless is uh Clueless is Emma, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. This is uh I just I adore this. I I really there's it's very nostalgic. I remember watching this a ton. Uh, my wife loves this movie. I think ev- the same way, actually, this is interesting. The way that I think most guys in my generation would identify with American Pie, I bet a lot of women, if you asked to name like their favorite high school-ish movie from their high school-ish years, would say 10 Things I Hate About You because it's female-driven instead of male-driven. Got it. Got it. All right. Well, let's uh, breeze into Pong, our next sure. top five list. Just a little uh, little more back and forth Z's, like an old game. So one that... One that sort of hit the, I didn't know where to put it because I don't, I don't love it enough to make it a top five, but I can't, I can't justify me making a list like this and not include it. So 1955, iconic red jacket and switchblades. Oh, is this a James Dean movie? It is. Uh, well, I can't think of the name of it. He only did two. I can't think of it. What is it? <laughs> Rebel Without a Cause. Rebel Without a Cause. Yeah. Okay. That's good. And I did rewatch it this past summer and it definitely, I mean, it holds up in the way that it's it's still well done storytelling and it moves along at a good pace and it's not completely predictable. And it does address some interesting topics that I think are still relevant today. Uh, but it's so, again, it's that archetype, James Dean's vehicle, ironically, stated, et cetera. Yeah. Can I, unpopular opinion? Yeah. I don't get the James Dean thing. Yeah, I don't fully either. I think... I think, you know, we, there were all those comparisons to Luke Perry back yeah. in the 90s with 90210 for, for visual appearances. I think James Dean was probably less Luke Perry and probably more Tom Cruise, right? He was yeah. very, very um, – he took over the screen. I, it's one of the things I noted while watching him is he was just – Big on screen, so sort of in that era, I would say compare comparable to um, Steve McQueen. Like you just right. sort of wanted to see him do stuff, and he, I mean, he had those like just cool eyes that like that yeah. carried so much meaning whenever he talked, whatever he was talking about, and knew how to use them. Like he, he, I think he actually was a phenomenal actor who was just getting started. 
Yeah, it's so the reason I bring it up. So I love when they do like the actors roundtable, writers roundtable. Like that's one of my favorite sort of YouTube things that you can just really dive into a hole. And like the amount of time that James Dean comes up, and I don't know how else to say this. So like I'm going to apologize in advance. This is going to sound a little like harsh, but like I think he benefits from an early death because like he just doesn't have a ton on film. And that's not to take away from how amazing what he has on film is, but it's it is it seems kind of crazy to me. When you look at like these prolific careers of people who have so much on film and it's amazing how often he gets. And it's not that I don't see that he's good. He's clearly amazing. I It's just I don't know. It's weird. It's a weird phenomenon that like he's just revered in the way that like Brando is. But like Brando did it a billion times and poorly a few times, but like right. a billion times. I don't know. It's interesting. I don't mean to go down a rabbit hole, but it's I just I find it fascinating how big of a deal he is. And the Luke Perry thing I always thought was trash. Then, especially now looking back, that was purely physical. It wasn't yes. presence. It was. It wasn't presence because Perry's Absolutely. great, by the way. Love Luke Perry, but like, not the same. Totally different. No, totally. It, it, if anything, it's probably just the. It was probably just the haircut. Just the haircut. It's a good haircut. Yeah. All right. Uh, what's all your right. first one? My first one, uh, August two thousand four, French personality nitroglycerin. Napoleon Dynamite. Yep. <laughs> nice. Nice clue. Uh, 1985, David Ogden Steers and Curtis Armstrong. Oh, no idea. Curtis Armstrong is Booger. Oh, Booger. And David Ogden Steers was from MASH, and he was the voice of the clock in Beauty and the Beast. Okay. I love MASH, but I don't know who he is in MASH. I have no idea what this is. Uh, the five words are, did he get $2? Did he get, yeah, did he get $2? Still don't know. Better off dead. Early John Cusack. I've seen this yep. once. Couldn't tell you a single thing about it. Uh, all right. So this one is I just mentioned uh, January two thousand one. So Julia Stiles. I can tell you. Can I get your words? Sure. Reserve a final waltz. Uh, the last dance. Save the last save, dance. Save the last dance. Yeah. Never saw that one. I thought you were going to just pick, uh, I thought you were 2001 and this was on my target for you. Uh, I even wrote five words for, for what I thought you could do, which was defined glasses and hair theory. Um, I don't know. Sorry, what let me rephrase that. Defined glasses and hair theory. Yeah, I still don't know what that is. Uh, not another teen movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that one never, I'm never going to think of that when we do us ever. I actually really enjoyed that one, by the way. I thought no. it was super cute. It's great. It's just, it's that, I, I've, I've, I've talked about this before. All, because of the line of those, they have all just, they all wind up in this parody, don't think of them as movies box for me, so that when we talk about movies, I don't think it'll, that's a good one. That's a genuinely right. good one. The same one with the Scream, whatever the name of the Scream one was. Like, those are funny. But like right. it, the rest of them have spoiled it enough for me because there's so many of them now that they just they I, they don't come into my brain. Yeah, I think if you're doing a best parodies movie, like parodies of other movies or of tropes, you don't get enough to make a really interesting list because you have this, you have like Hot Shots and yeah. a few others, and then you're kind of done. And you're done. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, so sorry that was a long version of what I thought JT would pick. Um, 1988. With Shannon Doherty and Winona Ryder. Ooh. Fan of both. Uh, can't think of a movie they're in together. Three women, one name. 
<laughs> I want to make a joke and say practical magic. I know that's not it. I have no idea. Heathers. The Shannons? The Heathers. The Heathers. I knew it was one of those things. Yeah. Okay. Have you seen it? Yeah, once. Can't remember anything. Yeah. I, I, uh, it's not quite up there for me to make top five, although I've seen it many times. What The only thing I want to point out about it that I, that I, that I like thinking about is watching this. So it came out in 88. It, it's height of popularity for me was those early 90s. This was like watching a cult classic happen. Like it came out and you instantly knew this would be one of those movies that would get walked walked and talked about forever. Yeah. And it did. And it did. Yeah. I hear about it more than it it means to me, but I hear about it a fair amount. Uh, Let's do uh, 1989. I'm not going to give you anybody. I'll say my top five is pretty easy. Deceased artist collection. Dead Poet Society. There it is. Yep. I will go to, to, I wasn't sure to put this in, but I did. 2001, okay. Scariest Bunny in a Movie. Scariest Bunny? In 2001? Yeah. Oh, uh, this is the not House Bunny. I don't know. What is it? <laughs> no, it's Donnie Darko. Oh, Donnie Darko. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Uh, here's my most ridiculous one. May 1992. Um <laughs> Paleolithic Fellow. Encino Man? Encino Man. Wheeze the Jews. <laughs> Wheeze the juice. Nice. Uh, you've picked all my other ones. So just for funsies, 1996, best use of a cordless phone. Scream? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the only other ones that I'll just I'll just run through them. The only other one that I have, so I've talked about Juno before, so there's no reason to talk about it. Um, this one I think is fun. 1999, Women's Entirely Something. Women's, She's All That? Yeah, She's All That. This was a big movie, the Freddie Prince Jr. thing. This is a big movie for my generation, right? Nice. The whole like, this is the glasses and hair theory. It's like, oh, take your glasses off and put your hair down. Oh my God, you're a 10. We had no idea. Boom. Uh, and then the last one is Teenage Woman, A Budding Exit. <laughs> teenage Woman, A Budding? Uh-huh. Girls something leave? <laughs> so the girl next door. Oh, door. Uh, girl nice. Next Door has one of my, one of the best uses of a song, I think, in any movie ever. But anyway... Uh, that's it. So because it is your list this week, that means it is your pick for next week, my friend. What are we doing? Just before I jump in, I want to give this the nod to the movie that I said could have been Shawshank, but I declared it was not actually a high school movie, but a teenage lifestyle movie. And neither of us picked it, which I think was particularly interesting, uh, was Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah, it's fun. so... Yeah, it's for the same reason it's not on mine is because I was like, eh, it's. I mean, he's in high school, but the high school's got nothing to do with this movie. Right, and you even see scenes in high school, and you even have characters and archetypes and all that, but it's such more about other things. And again, if the category was thinner, I'm sure it would have been an instant, oh, yeah, I'll talk about Ferris. Yeah. But there were so many good things to talk about. And by the way, I just noticed that I left two off my Fast Five list, so those two were Billy Madison and Mr. Holland's Opus. Oh, Billy Madison's fine. I intentionally left that off. Mr. Holland's Opus is a really, really good one. And so the ones you did not say that I was surprised about, super bad. Yep. Didn't make your cut. 21 Jump Street, I thought might have made your cut. Yeah. Election. Don't like Election. Don't like it either. And then uh, Scott Pilgrim. 
I thought was also possibly one of yours. So Scott Pilgrim, he's not in high school because he has an apartment. And I thought of that. I actually did. Think oh, knives mm. in Scott Pilgrim is in high school, but nobody else is. So for that reason, Got it. <laughs> well, for my picking this week, JT for next week, JT, given that I just came off 24 hours of being hungry, uh, that would be Yom Kippur for everybody. Not in the know. That's right. I think we're going to reverse it right back around and have movies all about the food. Buddy, I love movies and I love food and I love movies about food. I am, I could do this list right now. Foodie, moody, foodie, movie, foodie, moody, foodie, <laughs> movie, moody, you foodie. Next week. Oh, man, I want to end on that. But I do actually want to ask everybody, hey, listen, we're having a good time. We hope you're having a good time. Please do rate us in the App Store. Please do share with your friends. Uh, The more people that listen, the more we get to do this, the more fun we have. Guys, we are so close to being number one in Nepal again. We can do it. We trust you. We have faith. See you next week. Have a fun time. Bye. This door is always open. This door is always open.